Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. Tony Katz, The Morning News, 93 WIBC. My name is Craig Collins filling in. Thrilled to be with you. Lots and lots of stuff to talk about. Uh, there is more back and forth in the world of Hunter Biden and whether or not the uh, lead prosecutors were allowed to try the case however they wanted. Um, the uh, Delaware U.S. attorney uh, that was first really in this um, conversation the most, um, Attorney Weiss, has said that he was allowed to do whatever he wanted. Uh, again, that's been objected to by two different IRS whistleblowers. Now, also, it appears by maybe some internal messaging that he sent uh, to Attorney Merrick Garland and uh, to the um, Attorney General Merrick Garland and to others. So there's there's questions all around this. And yet the um, the person mainly in the crossfire as to whether or not they were allowed to do things their own way uh, seems to be choosing his words very carefully. Uh, one of the things he said is, as a U.S. attorney for the District of Delaware, my charging authority is geographically limited to my home district. If venue for a case lies elsewhere, common uh, departmental practice is to contact the United States Attorney's Office for the district in question and determine whether it wants to partner on the case. If not, I may request special attorney status from the Attorney General. And he did that, from what we understand, from the whistleblowers and was shot down. And whether or not he was um, capable of partnering, well, that's easily uh, things that we know as well. It seems as though the other two U.S. attorneys uh, that would have been involved from D.C. and California, uh, both appointed by Biden, also said, no, we don't have any interest in that. So in this uh, statement where he says, I stand by what I wrote, as opposed to saying I was given full authority to investigate exactly how I want to, if you dive into the actual um, you know, details of it, it seems to be a very legalese, a very lawyery way of trying to say that I didn't necessarily lie before, uh, when I said that I was allowed to investigate this case however I wanted, and I'm not necessarily lying now uh, when I say that I could have done certain things and that I needed other people's approval to do certain things because at the end of the day, I probably didn't get that approval. He's just not going that extra step, uh, which is very interesting to me that he's already trying to make the argument as complicated and as, as um, you know, uh, just a surface level as humanly possible uh, because the whistleblowers are telling the truth. And more and more, it seems very obvious uh, that what's going on here is something that was protecting Hunter Biden from jump and something that even that uh, U.S. attorney should be talking about quite a bit differently. Uh, other things out there that I think are interesting, Janet Yellen will be going to China. Our Treasury Secretary will be talking about sweet, sweet cash uh, there with the Chinese. Um, it's interesting to see who is being sent uh, to the um, to the Chinese people and who Xi Jinping, I imagine, is willing to sit down and talk to and yell at, and then eventually uh, they leave and they say everything's great. Uh, so, so far, Antony Blinken has been there. Now we're sending uh, Janet Yellen. Uh, at no point do I understand that we're having uh, valuable conversations um, with uh, our president, other than back in maybe November, uh, when Biden met with Xi Jinping. And it is interesting, again, that the money people are now going next and having whatever conversations they're having behind closed doors uh, with China. All right. Uh, one last thing. I do want to touch on this. Uh, it's certainly something that's big and, and a big deal in the news. Uh, it's a holiday weekend still, it feels like, on a Monday. Uh, so it's not exactly an uplifting topic to talk about. 
Uh, but the shooting that happened in Baltimore, um, uh, the two that lost their lives are, are young people. Uh, it sounds like a majority of the people who got hurt are younger people. Uh, and it sounds like this is a community that has seen a lot of violence um, over the years, or at least even more so recently. So it sounds like communities that we're familiar with uh, in Indianapolis or pretty much a lot of places here in the country. And the only response I have uh, when you see things that are this sad or this significant, and I know that um, two lives being lost is is uniquely not as bad as some other stories we've seen out there in the world. But the, the actual reaction to this is not to talk about guns at all, is not to have the politicians prop up whatever argument they want to have there. It's how um, communities that seem to be dealing with this amount of violence and seem to be dealing with it with younger people, uh, the catalyst uh, to it sometimes is to find ways to actually reach those people. And, and that's something that's work that's done uh, within communities. Uh, that's work that needs to be done maybe around the community somehow. Um, but this is certainly not something I think that the United States wants to see uh, a lot in our country. Uh, but it's something that I think we need to understand where the problems are and how to fix those problems. And I wonder if in some parts of the country we're unable to do that or unwilling to do that uh, because the distraction of talking about uh, gun control or whatever it else, whatever else might be the, the proposed solution that the politicians know is not going to work to actually fix the problem is good enough uh, for all involved that you move on and you don't actually deal with the actual issues at play here. But when the mayor is saying that they don't even know uh, who is responsible quite yet and they want to um, you know, help, hold them responsible by combing social media videos uh, that were put up online that might be able to lead them in the direction of the people who caused this violence, uh, you, you know a couple things. You know that probably um, lots of young people are involved and that's you know uniquely sad. Uh, but you also know that certain things are probably not being done in some of these communities to to do more to prevent acts of violence. And what I mean by not being done, I mean um, enhancing police presences, finding ways to to uh, get protection to the uh, communities that they need protection most in, and then having um, not only the the financial means to actually address those problems, but support from politicians. I can't think of anything more dramatic or more challenging. Uh, and I feel like this is a conversation we've been talking about a lot recently, but over the weekend, another big story out there falls in the same uh, pattern. I can't think of anything more um, uh, difficult for a police officer to think about than if you're driving toward a specific crime and you're wondering to yourself if whether or not at that crime scene, whatever you have to do uh, to try to protect people might wind up somehow being discussed by uh, local politicians and people in your community as you having done something wrong. You rush toward danger. Uh, you respond in a way that that uh, people who serve and protect are supposed to respond, that most of us can't fathom responding. And then once you get there, once you behave however you uh, believe appropriate, given your training, um, there is a, a significant chance in today's society that every single action will be dissected and that any moment where um, someone in the world of politics or anywhere else feels you did something wrong, uh, they will attack long before you even get your day in court. The best example of what I'm talking about right now, um, and, and I, I mean this about as, as um, you know, directly as, as I can mean it, is the uh, New York City story where a man um, uh, wound up trying to prevent another man on a subway from um, threatening people. And obviously, in the chokehold uh, that Daniel Penny uh, put on Jordan Neely, uh, Jordan Neely died. 
immediately before a day in court, before we fully understood the details of what actually occurred in that moment, politicians were out there saying that this was a, a senseless murder and that someone deputized themselves. Politicians were on the attack before the legal system had an ability to tell us what actually occurred with any sort of definitive answer. And that's a problem. And I think that's a problem that exists well beyond that one story. And in situations where police or, or people are worried, uh, and they shouldn't be, about what happens after my, I do my job, not while I'm doing it. Quick break, a lot more. Craig Collins filling in. Tony Katz, The Morning News, 93 WIBC. Matt, you got some traffic for us? 